This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 46 Have you heard? There's an epidemic of canal fever up in Philadelphia. Many people are dying. It's positively frightening. After weeks of Frances being cooped up in her room, Aunt Nancy had invited their friend Mrs. Mackenzie over for tea. Idle chatter sounded like a good idea at the time. Nancy never expected the gossip to turn so morbid so quickly. Oh my, said Frances. Nancy tried desperately to change the conversation. Uh, Have you seen the new fashions coming from New York? Mrs. Mackenzie all out ignored her. I've heard the death toll is alarming. Uh, more tea, Mrs. Mackenzie. What's more, I hear the canal fever has arrived in our own capital city. Do you think we should be worried? Frances asked. Frankly, I don't know what to think. It's a pandemic then, Frances announced. It's not a pandemic, John Allen interrupted. He had been hiding behind his newspaper in the corner. But I've heard it's in India and England, insisted Mrs. Mackenzie. It's cholera in India and the measles in England. Eddie, come down here and say hello to our guests. Good morning, Mrs. Mackenzie, Eddie said, entering the room. Did Rosie come with you today? Come now, Eddie. Do you think I'd visit without bringing your little sister along? Of course not, he smiled. But where is she? (laughs) I'm right here, came a giggle from behind the curtain. Eddie cocked his head curiously. Something about Rosie's pose in the curtains seemed odd. She adores you. Won't stop talking about y'all, Mrs. Mackenzie said. And evidently, she's not the only one. Mrs. Mackenzie cupped her mouth. Rosie says all the girls talk about Eddie Allen Poe at school. <laughs> That's my boy, chuckled John. Eddie stared at the ground, embarrassed. But the only female attention he wanted these days, now that Juliet was gone, was that from Jane Stannard. He had made every mistake in the world with Juliet, and he had no intention of doing that again with Jane. By now, he was becoming convinced that all those months ago, before winter, their affection had been mutual. The way she looked at him, or pulled him in for an embrace, or rushed Bobby off so that they might have a moment alone, these were not the actions of a prim and proper southern lady. Jane displayed all the signs of a woman with an agenda. As for the way she would lose track of what she was saying mid-sentence or stare off into awkward silence, Eddie was sure that was a sign of dumbstruck love. It had to be. But now that spring was on the horizon, it was his move now, and he promised to make that soon. Then it hit him. Eddie realized Robert Stannard hadn't been in school for a week. In fact, a number of boys were absent. Something clicked. Could this canal fever have hit his classmates too? Eddie wasn't sick, nor was anyone else in the Allen home. But then again, they barely went out. Even Pa. Eddie didn't care for gossip, and the smaller classes at Mr. Burke's seminary just meant more personal attention for him. The silent streets benefited him too. So he never put it together that something might be wrong here in Richmond. As for the death bell that tolled all day, every day, it had become white noise, a pleasant, if not morbid, ambiance far into the distance. As Eddie walked to school the very next day, he listened differently to the silence on the street. Maybe this wasn't peaceful. Maybe it was odd. 
He remembered Yadoja's story of a powerful flu epidemic that once swept through the region and the devastation it left in its wake. He thought about that all morning, and by the time school had let out, Eddie's curiosity turned to worry. Maybe Robert was sick. The kid was never strong to begin with. Eddie jogged towards the standard home on Grace Street. He cut across Capitol Square and paused to catch his breath. In his heart, he was concerned for Robert, but it wasn't lost on him that checking in on the boy would go far in Jane's eyes. She'll appreciate my interest, he thought. And if Robert is sick, I'll console her. And if he's not, I'll be his friend. Embrace the fear, he told himself. You love fear. Eddie tugged at the large brass knocker on the front door, a deliberate smile upon his face. He checked his posture as the door began to open. First, he'd have to charm the butler past the entrance. Good afternoon, Samuel, he said in the most upbeat tone he could muster. I've come to inquire about Bobby. He hasn't been in school for some time. Is he all right? Uh, no, sir. I'm sorry to say, young Robert is under the weather. I shall tell him you called. Samuel began to shut the door, but Eddie thought quickly. He stuck his shoe into the door jamb to block it. Wait a minute, please. What is Bobby sick with? Uncertainty crossed Samuel's face as he poked his head out of the door jamb and whispered, Bobby has the fever, sir. May I see him? I'm afraid that's not a good idea. He is too ill for visitors. Eddie persisted. How ill? The old man's lip quivered in search of the right response. Deathly, he replied. And Miss Jane, may I see her momentarily? Eddie saw annoyance on Samuel's face, but he didn't care. He remained steadfast in his mission. Uh, just a moment, sir, the old man said and softly closed the door. Moments passed and the door opened again. The lady of the house is not in. Uh, when will she be back? I don't quite know, sir, but I will tell her that you called. Samuel was a terrible liar. Eddie knew how to spot a lie. He did it all the time. But rather than protest, he channeled his cotillion etiquette, thanked the man, and turned to go home. The death bells echoed throughout Richmond. Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.